0: Welcome back. I am your host of Mix and Matchbox, Brent Feldman. Today joining us is Raul Hernandez-Ochoa, founder of Do Good Work. Hey, Raul, how are you doing? Welcome. Brent, good morning. Excited to be here. Definitely. Absolutely. Excited to have you. Uh, Actually, you know what? I know that we're going to jump quite quickly into these questions and stuff. Uh, The first one I actually have for you here is how did you come to create do good work after spending time at agencies and it the two-part question but it may seem obvious but why the name
1: it's interesting i i was reflecting on when i ever picked up that name and reviewing it was like a slogan that i used to say all the time even before i ever started the business and it's like it's more of an essence of how you do what you do um and like a three-part approach to it it's It's not like you're just doing the work and you're doing excellent, but it's also in the struggles behind the scenes that no one's ever going to see. Like those are your own and no one's ever gonna see them. Like how do you show up to those? And I think there's a choice that we have or even like, I know you're in the agency world and you're working with clients and like the client's not gonna see behind the scenes. They, they're not gonna know if you cut a corner of you, take a shortcut of whatever, like it's that choice, it's that binary choice. And I think those little small incremental, tiny little choices equal to the output of your future or how you're going to decide to show up in the world. So that's kind of like the essence of do good work. It's like the beauty behind the struggle it's making the right choices at difficult times, and it's not always easy. You may not always make the right choices, but at least we strive to do that. Um, I came to make the company, I believe in 2018, and that was after a series of help running my own freelance, turned into a little mini agency, turned into helping other agencies grow. And I, a mentor at the time when I was helping a digital marketing agency in the, in the direct response space, we almost tripled in, in the year from like seven people to 21. And uh, my mentor at the time was like, you should write a book. I'm like, what do you mean I should write a book? <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, just write it down. Like, write what down? Like, just write the principles down. So I wrote the principles down. And it's nothing too fancy, but it's more about some of the observations and the key things that I implemented and that were necessary to propel outside mm-hmm. of the, the obvious like you need sales, you need a team, et cetera. But like, how do you go about that? And that's uh, what became what, uh, we're doing today with do good work.
0: That's awesome. That is really cool. Um, you know, it seems like, and, and I've seen through obviously your website and other things that you speak with a lot of business owners about their company and, um, and, and it seems like a path, you know, for revenue generation. Um, and maybe even pseudo therapy for, you know, the, the people that you're speaking with, because obviously, you know, yeah, uh, as you just mentioned and do good work, there's struggles behind the scenes. There's, you know, there's lots of things going on, but, um, what would you say are the most common reasons that, you know, maybe people feel like they are, are trapped within their business? Hmm. I think it's interesting
1: that you mentioned pseudo therapy. I thought that was pretty, that's pretty <laughs> funny. Um, you know that's an interest just to be like reflecting in real time here with you like clients love to talk to me and it's obviously that's not scalable but that's one thing to think about like why why is that and i dug into that a few things around what's blocking them from actually growing so taking a step back we're both in marketing i see three tenses uh past present future <clears throat> and in each our mind is stuck And we need to identify where we stuck. Are we stuck in the past? Are we self-doubting? Is this a negative self-view? Is this judgment from others? Do we have low self-worth? Or are we stuck in the present? Are we unsure what we're gonna be doing? Are we afraid of taking action? Or do we not know if this is the right thing or the wrong thing to do? And that's usually where my work shines, because it's like, here's like the right stuff to have clarity and take action and grow, Designed for you. But then also you might be stuck in the future. You're fearful of the future. You may not have hope, et cetera, et cetera. Now I don't really focus too much on the future, but some clients sometimes we need to figure out what's what's stopping them from the past. Uh, hey, you have to increase your prices. The rebuttal, am I worth that price? And the issue sometimes is with business owners is that we self-identify with the work that we're doing. So sometimes we gotta get over that hump before we can change your pricing, change your, your, your business model structure. So somewhat pseudo therapy, but I think it's also lack of clarity. Like, there's so many things to do, like the old saying, like, you can't read the label from within the bottle, Mm -hmm. so many things to do so many different options of what to take And the answer is like, well, how are we going to actually reach this growth goal for me, and growth doesn't always mean more revenue, it could be more clients, more time, it could be same revenue, um, you know, getting you out of the business, there's different terminologies to define growth, but it's all based on the, the founder and the business owner. But else, we also need to figure out where are they on those tenses? And what's truly blocking them? Do they know who they are? And they're fully propelled as a human being? Don't have self uh, self image view issues. And they just need to be figuring out what are the right things that I need to have my team execute on? Mm-hmm. Or do we need to work on a few things that that's blocking us for actually us to take the right actions today?
0: Definitely. Yeah, I'm sure that discovery process has to be exciting. I mean, obviously, you know, it's different (laughs) every time. But you not only are you digging into, uh, you know, the business, you're digging into the person, you know, and trying to uncover those things that is going to help not only themselves grow, but their business grow. But that's got to be that's got to be fascinating. Yeah, we always forget
1: that businesses, we think it's a machine or like this other entity, but like, it's driven by humans, like, Mm -hmm.
0: yeah, can't forget the human element totally absolutely um you know in some of the materials i guess that you have you mentioned you know working for digital founders and uh i assume that there's mm-hmm. you know kind of like a a through line with some of the advice that you give um do you think that your work is more cut out for the people in the digital space or is this are, are these lessons that you feel like can translate to basically any entrepreneur any industry uh anywhere
1: any entrepreneur, anytime, anywhere. It's like a movie, right? Right. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, in a world.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, this was something that I've been, I'm currently always going through and struggling because they're, it's principle based and I don't want to be super, uh, like not be humble and say like, this can work for anyone. I think the principles work regardless of state, regardless of business type, regardless of time. But the thing with the market, and like you, know, you know, this too being marketing, we have to be very specific of who we're solving the problem to. And just through my experience and my exposure, and the people that I work with, uh, they're usually in the digital space. They're running, they're either selling digital services where the the transfer of values in bits, not in atoms, um, or they're selling experiences, or they're selling information, or they're selling some sort of, you know, combination of the both experiences with information. But I, I i mean, just this week, I talked to a dude here in San Diego. He has one of his product, e-commerce products, but a physical product and he sells it in Sprouts and like he's trying to increase and we were talking about his growth. Like that's super exciting. Why? Because the principles still apply. But like how many e-commerce companies have I personally worked with? Well, not too many as much as I have with like digital services or information or experiences through the agencies. Yeah, we've done that, but it, it translates. But I think that it's all about Customizing the journey based on the founder in alignment to their goals. Like, I have a little bit limited scope. If you're trying to hit like 100 million or 200 million in sales, sure, I can come in, but I haven't done that. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I'll go with what I've done, support what I've done, and uh, obviously I have opportunities to see if I can expand that reach.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And and I mean, I I guess that's also important of not trying to, um, you know, be there to support in a way where you're like, well, I haven't I haven't been in that position, but here's some advice I can give you. Uh, But that's good to not, you know, and not that that's imposter syndrome at all, but it's more or less like, um, you feel very comfortable representing the experiences that you have as opposed to like trying to, yeah, be like, oh yeah, I'll help you to grow to a few billion. You know?
1: <laughs> well, if, we, if we're if we blunt, because I was helping a team just last year, never done it before, and we hit like 50. <clears throat> but it, was, it has to be up front, like, hey, we haven't done this before, you haven't done this before, let's figure this out together. I think we can figure it out, like we're smart enough. Um, but I think it also goes back to like, if we look at medicine, the first rule of medicine, do no evil. So like mm-hmm. in your work can you actually help if yes proceed if not then let everyone know
0: that little flow chart yeah <laughs> <laughs> cool um so uh it, even though you're um uh you know mainly, you know, uh, at, you know, advising about other people's organizations, what is it about driving, you know, like ad revenue that, you know, still remains important, because I, you know, I saw within the topics and stuff that you know, you're very passionate about, you know, like, ads and digital advertising and, you know, and and that sort of like field. Uh, Are there things about digital advertising, not just the consulting on somebody's business that you actually find exciting as well? Hmm.
1: I think it's revenue in general, not where that revenue comes from ad. I mean, I grew up, I cut my teeth in direct response to advertising, uh, Mm -hmm. for companies who were selling like good products to the marketplace. And I think it still works to this day, but there has to be a balance, right? But if we look at a, at a higher level, like just looking into the 30,000 foot view, I work with bootstrap founders. I'm a bootstrap founder. I think it's like, I believe it's our responsibility to design business for scale. Mm. I, uh, there's so many people that I talk to that want to live the lifestyle on their bootstrap and say, you know what? I just want to live a lifestyle business. I don't want to worry too much about it, but that becomes like the hamster wheel. And they come to the realization and it's not like they're not mature, but it's a mature realization that, oh, if I actually want to grow and live the life I want to live. This sucker has to work on its own. Like this business has to be built for scale. And mm. once you come to that realization, then it's like, okay build for scale, design it based on your, your your growth, be a market leader and be able to consistently delight clients for a longer period of time. Like those are the real goals. And I think it's our responsibility. If you decide to go in business, it's a responsibility. So that's what excites me the most, to support the founder, the scrappy founder, the bootstrap founder, who is literally creating value in the marketplace, but needs help to get to that next level. And usually we need revenue to do that. Uh, when it comes to ad revenue, again, I grew up in the ad space. I think it has its place. I think that shaming the idea of, especially in the B2B side, like shaming the idea of ad spend is like, well, it's like shaming a finger. Like it's part of the same hand. It's part of the same growth hand. Like why is your pinky less important than your like your thumb or something? So it's like you need all of them to grow, but like you don't need to necessarily, I don't know. There's like dogmas about it. I'm just, whatever works, let's align to it. And I have stories behind it if you want, but it's what's gonna work for you and how are you gonna reach that growth goal?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. I, I appreciate that. Um, I I did see that you went to SDSU and uh and funny enough, like I went to San Diego and I was actually looking at that school. Uh and I um, you know, it's it's interesting though, your your degree actually aligns, uh, which I know for a lot of people were out there, uh, you know, working that it doesn't, you know, they went to school for something wildly different than they actually ended up in a career in. Uh, so did you know for a long time that you're kind of destined to, you know, do something in entrepreneurship and consulting? Was this like, you know, I started as a kid, uh, you know, thing that I was like, I'm gonna have a business, and I'm gonna grow a business. Oh my yeah, or, or did you just kind of arrive at it, like got to school and they're like, Yeah, I'll do that. I had someone on my podcast and I think she mentioned, like,
1: she loved that someone told her that she wasn't the lemonade entrepreneur. So she wasn't destined for entrepreneurship, but then she became very successful as an entrepreneur. Like, thank you for sharing that story. Because everyone's like, oh, you have to start like at two. I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe not too too early. Um, So no, I actually didn't know. So this is where like the uh, the Victor tells the stories. Like, I knew I was going to be in business when I went to SDSU before then. So I actually wanted to be in animation. Hmm. I did pretty well in in high school on that, had a teacher tell me like, hey, you should lean into graphic design, et cetera, et cetera. I was looking at art schools, talked to some people from my AOL accounts, if you still remember that, I think in DreamWorks, an art director. So I was gonna do that. And then I found about entrepreneurship, I think in 20, I wanna say 2011 or 2012, like I never knew it was a thing. And I was like, oh crap, there's kids down the street building businesses and they're helping people gain eyesight from from that, and it was solo. I were the company that was an SDSU company. Cool. I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I changed my majors from psychology, and because so I was going to community college, like let's do business. And then I went to SDSU to see their program. the The school is great. The education is great, but there was a specific program in there called the Lavin program. It was like two credits. It was like peanuts. It was like what that was worth everything. Um, I got exposure from real business owners. I got to sit in in the rooms and have private conversations on recorded. Back in the day, we couldn't record everything um, with like behind the scenes war stories. So it was really good exposure early on. And I never knew I was going to be in consulting or in marketing. I actually didn't even know what marketing was in college, (laughs) Yeah, believe it or not.
0: So it's just a wild journey. And I just let that lead me. That's wild. I, I actually, I really, I love that story. I'm I'm very happy I asked that question because you never know how somebody gets to, you know, where they're at and, uh, you know, and yeah, you, you love, just like you mentioned the lemonade entrepreneur. That's like, oh yeah, at the age of five, you know, this person was just destined to like, you know, be, you know, a business (laughs) owner. And, uh, you know, and I, I have, you know, my own you know, kind of winding path of how I got, you know, to where I'm at. Uh, But it's, it's interesting. That's always that's, that's great to hear that, uh, you know, like, yeah, it's that one course that kind of changed your life. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Cool. Uh, So since you're looking to inspire, you know, other business owners, and get them to think about their business, you know, differently, um, you know, uh, people that are either inside or outside digital marketing, you know, kind of influencers fear. um, uh, You know, Actually, hold it. I I'm gonna redo that question. I'm I'm looking at it and trying to read it now. I'm I'm like, <laughs> I got I gotta cut that out. Hold on. Uh. Oh. All right. Cool. All right. Now now I I was like, what was I trying to say here? All right. So since you're looking to inspire other business owners and get them to think about their business differently. Uh, Who are the, who are the people either inside or outside the digital marketing influencer sphere that you either, you know, sort of admire or you think gives great advice? Hmm. I think the key thing around looking at who to listen
1: to, especially when you're in in a role where you have, I, I personally think that one of my special gifts is analogous either metaphors or comparisons to something that may not be completely related but is related to solve the problem and i think to do that you got to read a lot i Mm -hmm. think books are the most underrated uh, area to do that Uh, so i eat books like i eat cookies but since i've started working out i stopped eating cookies so i just eat books all the time so in in my opinion i want to start first with outside of digital marketing because i think if you just think in the same pool of thought as everyone else, like, what makes you different? Like, why, why should I listen to you when I can just listen to the other dude or the other gal? Um, I personally love uh, Ziegler's work, just like for, for myself. Um, I also listen to a lot of health influencers. One of my favorite is Jeff Cavalier. Um, he's pretty great. Alan Aragon as well. Uh, the classics, you know, philosophy, heavy on philosophy, almost anything philosophy, Plato, Aristotle, uh, Aquinas, uh, in the digital marketing sphere, I, I like listening to the creatives, uh, Blair Enns, David C. Baker. Uh, I really like Jonathan Stark's work. Um, if we're looking more like a business strategy, I like Category Pirates. They run a great Substack. stack. Uh, and then when it comes to like leadership and or execution strategy, I really appreciate Covey's work, especially four disciplines or the 40X, four disciplines of execution. Like I know it by 40X. I don't know the whole title. Um, so I just, I look at all these different things and kind of culminate them, like what is the solution that we're gonna get out of it? But you also have to be open to to going down rabbit holes
0: all the time. hmm yeah. Just love, you know, sort of taking in information and learning. Um, and you mentioned the, you know, philosophy aspect, and I, yeah, we don't need to get too heady on it. But I read a book that was so uh, powerful, um, uh, called, you know, uh, Think Like a Roman Emperor, and it was all about Marcus Aurelius. And you know, I anyway, it was just a wonderful book. Uh, and I was like, wow, uh, the Stoic philosophy is just really just great, great, great information, and almost like life advice too. That you're like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> it's always good to be able to pull the good out of everything.
1: And then from you test it yourself, like, is this good today? Cause if it's proven or a principle, it'll be good anytime and test it in real time and then see what works, what doesn't work
0: and then take what works and move forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, all right, cool. Well, um, uh, one of the topics you like to cover is how to modernize your business model with AI, and uh, it, you know, and 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 to say that wow, uh, AI is being talked about ad nauseum now is is you it's know kind of crazy. It's <laughs> annoying. <laughs> Oh, my gosh! yeah, I'm serious. and not to mention, people aren't really, in my opinion, talking about it in great detail. It's kind of like, oh, it's like you know, not doing tactics. It's like, what is it going to be in the future?" And you're like, oh, this is so pithy and you know, and not worth it. But, you know, um, I you know, how are you kind of approaching it? Like, do you ever caution? your clients on you know what advice to take from computer systems or where to draw the line because hmm. leveraging ai it can be wonderful but yeah are are you ever you know sort of push putting out a cautionary tale as well of like do this but not that
1: i'm always a little bit conservative when it comes not i mean it's weird i'm very risk and really go for it and very crazy like on my own stuff but when i talk to clients like we need to be very prudent with anything that we take moving forward because mistakes will cost money and or like could be an issue so i mean obviously there has to be the ethics boundary within it but we're not going to dive into ethics or morality but just do the right thing with it like data whose data where's that data being stored i don't know about this whole like i cloned my voice in ai in the past like i thought that was cool but like is that going to be ev- used for evil i don't i don't know like i'm not going to think about that i'm going to think about what's the business outcome that i need how are we doing this within the lines of legality doing it correctly ethically but then most importantly when i talk to clients it's look at the privacy policies like i so personally i was building a copilot for some of the work that i was doing it's an input output kind of thing like if i have all these different machines talking to each other or different com protocols like input outputs and they're able to spit out things in three minutes that would take me <clears throat> like three hours. That's great. And I was gonna use a tool to do that. I looked at their privacy policy. I looked at the founder. I looked at where the company was incorporated. I'm Like this doesn't seem right. It didn't feel correct to, to do that. And like uh, all these tools are gonna sprout. I think at a time we were had like a thousand come out every week. And like, there was even a time where I, back in the day, like two months ago, I don't know how long ago. You sign up for a tool and then i get an email a month later oh that tool is out of business was like what that was fast wow so yeah. i like to think about ai in, in a bigger level like where does it play a role for your current business model how does it allow you to compete on the invisible if you're going to use it make sure that you look at these key areas of ethics privacy policy and data like this is not something that it's just a tool like a word processor like people are taking your data and they're going to make whatever they're making smarter uh, one of my dudes uh, uses so he runs a podcast production company he's building some crazy stuff in the back end and he's using ai to do it but one of the things that he's focusing on is if he has uh, an actual agent and an agent is the thing that you tell it to do something once and then it tells itself what to do next 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 for an output he mentions to either run that on a virtual machine because you never know like if that that sucker is going to take over your computer and i've had uh, another friend in another industry who's a very in a very conservative industry have someone's computer get hacked because they were using some sort of ai and send an email to their clients i think it was like i don't know how many emails that so was like thousands uh, let's just say it wasn't a very good email that's a different story so yes it is a risk to the business and the business owner but if you're using agents, it's best to do it on an isolated computer for one specific output and then have one agent or one computer do one thing, finish that task, ship it to the other agent on another computer. So at any time you can shut off the computer and it's not going to touch your data. It's not going to touch anyone. Like it has to be in isolation, at least at this point. Um, but that's as far as I can get. It's above uh my thinking, I'd have to talk to other experts around it. But I think about it like how can we leverage this for efficiency? How can we leverage this to support your team? How can we leverage this in your business model?
0: Yeah. Awesome. And it is, it's something that I feel like has so much possibility. Uh, but I'm I'm glad I'm glad there's some yeah, boundary and stuff that, you know, as people like start to use it and, you know, issue it, uh, you know, it it it's seriously, it's uh it's one of those things that has vast possibility though, which is neat. Um uh, with your cloned voice, were you ever going to lay down a sick rap track or anything?
1: <laughs> I don't know if I can do that. I did it just to read some articles, but who knows? Maybe now it's a, it's going to be a pseudo rapper.
0: Yeah. I, I, do you think anybody's going to read uh, audiobooks in the future? They'll just clone their voice and you know put it over the text. And I'm, oh, I'm, I mean, and... that
1: you can totally do that now. I decide just to read my audiobook because I'm like, hey, I'm going to share stories that aren't in the book. While I read the audiobook and reflect in real time, I thought that was more valuable.
0: But oh, definitely. Absolutely. I could have done, yeah. I
1: totally done 11 labs or something.
0: Yeah. 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 We're, we'll all be not needed at some point in the future. <laughs> oh God. No, I can't <laughs> actually know <laughs> that. That's, it. that's an interesting point. I mean, not to hit on the philosophy part, but
1: AI right now. So, right now in this time, in 2023, it takes data that exists and compiles something new. We as humans though, have the ability to compile what is and what isn't exist in existence. So I think whatever work you're doing, focusing on that key thing, what can I compile that does not exist, the potential of to be, because if you focus on that level of work, it doesn't matter what AI does and, and thus it actually becomes self-aware, but that's a different conversation.
0: Yeah, I know. Wow, that could be, that could be a whole another podcast. <laughs> Um, well, I, I, uh, you know, getting back to, you know, I guess, uh, what you do, I guess you spoke with, uh, Jennifer Zick, uh, recently I watched, uh, you know, one of your podcasts, uh, and, and you talked to her on your podcast about, uh, noticing gaps in the marketplace. And she responded that, you know, companies may begin downsizing and hiring more, uh, teams, you know, outside companies, um, because of agility. And so agility isn't a thing that you can necessarily teach per se and you definitely know that you know sometimes smaller companies just happen to be more nimble or agile um mm. so uh how you you know it, but it you know it seems to dissipate as like you know companies grow and scale but how how do you balance that sort of activity of like you know kind of like trying to encourage people to stay nimble as they grow that's an interesting
1: dichotomy in. So a few things here in real time, like there are, I've personally have seen organizations start super nimble and super lean and fast and then get to the point where making a change is literally like a train track making a turn. It starts to make the turn, starts to make the turn. Okay, maybe three months later, oh, we made the turn. Like that's insane to me. I've also seen small startups, like lean startups. um, wouldn't even call Startup is something that finds product market fit. Let's just say it's a, three-year-old company and it's like found product market fit but it's still growing or trying to fine tune that some people have the mentality of bureaucracy like they just work that way i'm like this isn't this is insane to me like we need to move fast we need to take action like yesterday like i come in and like let's move like 100 miles an hour like no like why not (laughs) so i don't know if it's you're right you can't teach it you have to you have to have that fire within you and you have to have that inclination to take action or imperfect action that's something that you. I don't know, I feel like through experience or through getting punched in the face, like I'm now leaning forward in, in that direction. But when it comes to, I think Jennifer's point was, mid-market companies and larger organizations are, are finding that they have bloat. It's just natural like, They just have too much bloat. Like uh, I was talking to a dude, the guy who was a, a, oddly enough the head of, I think either ethics or AI monetization at Facebook or at Meta. And like their his team was really small and nimble, but there was like bloat on bloat on bloat around that company like that's normal. Um, unfortunately, as you grow. So I think right now, outsourcing fractional teams, fractional deliverable, like outcome based teams are super valuable, because they can come in, be like the SWAT team to execute what you need, and not be in for one team is the price of someone's salary. So you can get five people for the price of one. So I think that's, I think what Jennifer was referring to. And um, But I don't I don't know, like I haven't solved that problem of if we're growing and we're profitable and we're at 40 people, 50 people, 200 people. How do we remain nimble and lean? I think it's about the founder being in touch with the organization, because you can also have a founder, because I think that there's a there's a I'm going to say it out there. I think there's a virus uh, thinking out there when it comes to, I'm just a visionary, all I have to do is lock myself in a room and have incredible thoughts and ideas, and then everyone else is gonna execute it for me. Now that could be true, um, but I think that you can have a death spiral of the delusional visionary, where you're just like thinking about all these grandiose ideas, like, okay, cool, but here's where we're at today. Let's execute on today in alignment to those ideas, not just have this crazy idea and not do anything about it. So I think that it can lead founders to think that way, because um, I was actually on a discovery call with a dude and he was an, an answering like asking what's, what is an implementer? Like, what is, who do I hire to bring in? Like, well, what got you to this point in your business? And we were trying to have him reach, uh, his goal is to reach like uh, 12 million a year. So still a small business, but we're trying to scale him up. He's like, well, what got you to this point? Like, well, I do the, this, I do that, I do all the execution. I'm like, okay, great. How do you do that at scale and build teams around you to do that versus you just go in a corner, have grandiose ideas and then hope the team executes them. So I think you have to have that balance where the founder has to have his hands on the dirt and feel and and support the team. Um, even at scale, like I, that's what I think the, the answer could be, but it's really hard to have like isolated case studies where we can test that theory in practice.
0: Yeah. Oh, definitely. No, that, that I feel like that's very interesting. I, um, it, it. In, in general, and like you've mentioned, you know, kind of like visionary and, uh, and we very much like, um, uh, subscribe to the EOS model, you know, and try to implement some of those, you know, ideas and have like, yeah, the visionary and the implementer. Um, but I totally agree with what you're saying in terms of like, yeah, if you feel like, Um, there, there is just the visionary and they've got amazing ideas, but there is no boots to the ground. There's not fostering the culture of, you know, kind of move fast, break stuff or in order to, you know, kind of like get things out in the marketplace and actually, you know, materialize what all these great ideas might be, then it can just, you know, get, get totally lost. Um, it's I, you know, one thing that I was actually just as you were kind of mentioning that story. I I'm kind of wondering too. Is is like are companies bringing in teams to stay nimble? You know, they hmm. bring in smaller teams in order to like, you know, feel like, oh, hey, we can move fast on this because they, uh, you know, you were talking about bureaucracy and gosh, yeah, and bloat and gosh, you get these big companies that are are moving so so slow. You know because there's so much, you know, around them. And in order to bring in what you mentioned, like the SWAT team, is that the thing that helps them, uh, you know, uh, stay fresh, you know, so I don't know.
1: Yeah, it could change their mindset. I think you're right. It could show like, hey, we could we could run at that pace. Hey, we could actually do that. And again, this isn't to say that every mid market or larger company like sucks like of course not like there's more yeah, yeah. every decision is highly either regulated or highly important or like people are looking for you to screw up so that they can see like all these crazy things happen when you become very successful like oh my gosh like so i think it could also you, you can be a point of influence to that team to help them even execute at a, at a higher level so
0: cool um so uh, I'm in it, you're in it, uh, whether it be delivering digital services or consulting with companies that, you know, that do, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of digital agencies out there. Um, I mean, like a, a ton. And I mean, it seems like there's more and more every day. And Even that's for 2020, so many started in 2020. Yeah, I mean, the barrier to entry was so low, obviously, all these people are, you know, yeah, flocking to online during the pandemic, you know, uh, making sure that they have a digital presence because people weren't getting out of the house. So I mean, like, yeah, there's there's a, uh, you know, a billion uh, digital agencies. Um, but do you think there's room for more? And why? <laughs> hmm.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> Alright, so let me give you the crazy headline. I think there's room for more, but I also think that a lot are going to not make it. Let's look at the industry of bicycles for a second. So this was like 10 years ago and it's still true today. Like bicycles are in a mature industry, right? The problem to be solved is going from point A to point B without a car. like the old age problem. Bicycles have been around for hundreds of years. So what's new? Why are bicycles still selling? because they're changing the product. If the if the problem that they're solving is the same, then there's nothing they can do to innovate the, the problem, that they're going to innovate the solution. I see grown men riding like mock Harleys or mock, you know, motorcycles and their bicycles like that's pretty cool. That guy's like zooming 30 miles an hour on the bike lane like I want that. <laughs> right? And that thing's not cheap. Like it's not like your old like 50 bucks, 70 bucks bicycle you just buy. So I think. Well, actually, no. I know. I was looking at a uh, Ibis World. Uh, it was a few years ago that report, but it's still like the digital advertising, at least, or the agency world, is in a mature industry. What does that mean? Consolidation. Uh, that means that the problem to be solved is an age-old problem. There's nothing new under the sun. Either A, you solve a unique problem for a unique set of individuals, or B, you. Innovate on the business model, you innovate on the solution or you innovate on the deliverables. So I don't think there is room for another digital marketing agency that's a full house service that does everything under the sun that supports you and it can like jump five hoops and also deliver and pet your dog for you. I don't think there's room for that anymore. I think those are going to be going away pretty quickly. Um, like if you look up on LinkedIn and I look up digital agency, there's a ton of people, but I look at the websites, they're all like copy and paste websites, even though they're not. It's the same wording same thing we'll do all these things like what's the difference i think there is room though for agencies that produce a specific outcome and i want to lean into that so when it comes to the niching down like being a very specific something for someone there is still room for that because running an agency is hard like, it's super hard it's not easy like it's fun it's yeah but i think i age, like three times faster running an agency and helping agencies grow especially like those those runs um so it's not easy at all so just just doing this simple idea well over time you will be successful like you are like i see gener- general agencies still be successful today because they just follow we're solving one specific problem and we're going to run it well over the next five ten years you can still be really successful doing that But I think right now, in terms of new competition or new agencies, you have to be very bespoke in your solution. It doesn't mean they have to make the the product over and over again every single time, but solve a specific problem or compete on the business model. On the solving a specific problem, one of my dudes runs an agency and he's like, we're an execution agency. I think that's really fascinating. He differentiates by saying, we're not going to do strategy and give you this grandiose thing. We're going to come in and get results. Okay, cool. I like that. He can, he's been running business, I think for 20 years, he's going to continue to be successful for the next 20, 30 years. On the flip side, if you're innovating on the business model or on the deliverables, we need to look at, well, what changes? What is the unique factor here? One of my dudes just recently banded up with other two guys here in San Diego. And instead of selling services, they're selling access. They're selling access to their brain and the deliverables. So you subscribe to them. And they, I wouldn't say sold out. They hit their max capacity within a week of launching. Obviously they had build up, they had an audience, they had support, but there's demand for that. There's demand for access. So that's changing. The problem is I need growth, I need a web, I need whatever, cool. That's an age old problem. Okay, we'll give you access. That's different. Or we'll be a subscription or we'll be a SaaS. Like how are you changing up the way that you deliver? And I think that's the balance that you have to find and um, anything that's generic is just gonna be kicked out.
0: Cool, great sage advice. Um, All right, well, uh, the last one I have for you here is kidding not kidding uh you you've got a great zen way of approaching your questions and uh you know and how how you kind of relay information <laughs> a, a podcast have, have you ever considered you know uh filling in on the call map for uh, a meditation session <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i've never uh i've never considered it if the offers there maybe Why not? maybe th- this is the chance yeah i'll uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll make that shout out right now but uh no really honestly I, I i appreciate uh a lot of you know the things that i saw in terms of like you know podcasts it's great that you have yeah two books uh which uh yeah you've written uh and seriously if there's anything else that you want to mention about those um definitely feel free but like yeah it's it's great having you on
1: I appreciate it, man. I think one of the things that I always like to leave if I'm doing amazing pause like this or speaking from stage or in private rooms with teams is design the journey because the journey matters. Uh, The journey determines your destination. I think we forget that as as owners, as entrepreneurs, we're super gun-hill, like, here's the destination. I'm going to go through the suck and I'm going to suck it up and it's going to be horrible, but I'm going to get to that end outcome. But that suck is like 10 years, 15 years, 20 years. So why don't you just design it to enjoy it? to be fruitful in all areas of your life. So I'll leave you with that. And uh, everyone can can contact me or find me on the website, do Boom.
0: Mic drop. That was, <laughs> but you can't drop that mic. It's on. Scale. It's fine. <laughs> you no, know, it's really, that's great. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, seriously. Thank you so much for being, being on. Brent, this was fun. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'm your host, Brent Feldman. This has been another episode of mix and Matchbox. We'll begin, uh, be back soon with more content. Thanks.